0: Lacrosse All-Stars presents In Your Face Lacks cast. Unfiltered opinions on the most controversial topics in the game of lacrosse. I'm Ryan Danahy, former Division I college and pro player and Division I college coach, currently living and coaching in the city of Philadelphia. I'm joined with my co-host, Andy Towers, the legend, former Division I college head coach, MLL All-Star, three-time All-American, and arguably the best to ever play the midfield position. Each show, we dive into the world of lacrosse from high school, college to pro, as well as bring on special guests. You can subscribe to us via iTunes and check us out on Twitter at In Your Face Lacks for more information. Enjoy the show. Conference tournament selection show, snubs, shockers, and of course, more job openings, AT. We're up to a total of five, and I don't think it's going to end there. The University of Vermont announced that Ryan Curtis will leave the program and join Westminster School in Connecticut to be a teacher and a lacrosse coach. Huge, life-changing move by the 10-year Catamount coach. In addition to Vermont, Scott Nelson will not be returning to Binghamton next season. It was added at the same article as Ryan Curtis's, uh, but Nelson spent time at Marist, Brown, and Nazareth prior to Binghamton. Five, five total schools again, and I don't think we're done there yet, But how would you rank the jobs, A.T.? Where does UM, UVM fall in the mix? I figure they've got to fall higher than Binghamton and Jacksonville. Am I right there? There's no baseball in the spring. Yeah,
1: I I think that, well, clearly Princeton's the number one job. Correctly, yeah. I think that, clearly, in my opinion, the second best job is UMBC. I agree. the strength of high school lacrosse in the area. Yep. Um, You know, I, I think after that, I think Ryan Curtis... And his staff, Mike Kruger, uh, you know, these guys have taken a job that essentially no one really wanted and have turned it into a job that I think people will covet, especially after looking at who they return on their roster, how well they did in the Am East tournament. Let's face it, they were one goal away from the AQ, which just blows you away when you think about how far that program has come. I think that people are going to look at the Vermont job a lot differently and a lot more favorably than the other two jobs just based on where they currently are. I mean, Binghamton right. wasn't that bad of a program five years ago, and now you never even hear about them. They're an afterthought. Right. Jacksonville is the same way. You know, Jacksonville, ironically, beat Vermont in the first game of the season. I think it was like 28
0: to 27. I think the
1: first (laughs) (laughs) one. I'm sure Curtis loved that score as a defensive guy. But the fact (laughs) is is that Vermont is a program on the way up, and they still return a ton of players. And knowing a lot of the prospects that they have coming in, they've got a great recruiting class set to come in again. And so I would think that this job would be the third most desirable behind uh, those other two and yet ahead of Jacksonville and Binghamton.
0: Uh, I agree. First off, they just built a brand new indoor facility. Um, It's not full field, but it's certainly uh, a step up from playing outdoors way up north. Vermont is the most northern Division I school in the country. Uh, I I think it's a huge job opening. I think Curtis has done a great job recruiting uh, to the institution. You've got some pretty, very, very good lacrosse uh, about an hour and a half north of you uh, in Canada. Uh, He's obviously tapped into that pipeline. He's brought in some great guys. I think Binghamton can actually do very much of the same thing. Um, And so I think that that's an attractive job as well. Um, You know, and certainly if I would have put them all in and I would have ranked them, I'd put UVM, Binghamton, Jacksonville. Jacksonville would actually fall on the fifth. And people are like, wow, it's down in Florida. But you're not, I think we've already talked about that. And you specifically talked about it, Towers, on the last podcast. It's not recruiting to Florida. You're recruiting to Jacksonville in northern Florida.
1: Uh, Not to mention, you know, Binghamton is a a state university, so the expense of attending Binghamton is – I remember when I was at Hartford a long time ago and looking at the cost of attending Hartford and Vermont and some of the schools in that league relative to Binghamton, Stony Brook, Albany, UMBC, all state universities where in-state tuition is very, very inexpensive and thinking to myself that – you know, we could offer these guys three-quarter scholarships, and it would still be right. more affordable for prospects to pay full tuition to attend you know, those respective schools. Not to mention that the high school lacrosse in the Binghamton area blows away the high school lacrosse in the Jacksonville area. <laughs> so I would I would agree with you. You know, I think that that is for the right guy. I think that is a program that could compete to make the Am to tournament and ultimately win it one day. If uh, you know, there's if. You know, while it might not be Long Island, they can still tap into upstate New York and uh, you know the local area, which I think is obviously you know the foundation for, for great recruiting.
0: They could still offer those Long Island kids New York state tuition. On top of that, depending on how they work their scholarships, a school in its institutional choice, a school can say to uh, coaches that you can only offer a percentage. So whether that's in-state or out-of-state, you can only offer 1%. Uh, other schools will do it by the dollar amount, um, so it's it'll be interesting to see how that works. But five what schools again about
1: the Princeton job, R.D. Uh,
0: nice, dude. Way to put it on me. I hear it's. I hear Sean Adelin is uh, the guy that they want to go after. And whether or not um, they actually have contacted him, whether or not they've reached out to an agent of some sort, I do know that that's starting to happen more and more. But I do hear Natalie's name running around, and of course, I was the first one to say Natalie. So it might just be me trying to hear it. Um, But I've heard Natalie over and over again. I'm now that Hobart is in the mix uh, and doing really well down the stretch. Raymond's name keeps popping up as well.
1: Um, But what have you heard, At? Well, I've got a very interesting name for you, Ryan. Ooh, Gary Gate. No way. Ah. Listen, I hang out. No I, way. Hung out. Let's start I, the rumor hung on the show. I out a lot of dark bars, Ryan. <laughs> and in those dark bars are dark people. And with dark people <laughs> come dark rumors. And if you and
0: dark, think about it. Are they reliable? It, are all dark uh, I, I rumors would say, reliable? Uh,
1: very reliable. Uh, I'll wow. just leave it at that. Um, that is, is a, great. A, well, imagine how that would shake up the Ivy League. Not to mention shake up the women's coaches. <laughs> in the Princeton University Athletic Department when Gary rolls in with a $750,000 a year salary. (laughs) (laughs) Go get him, Gary. Uh, I'll tell you, these other coaches, they better hire hire his financial advisor because he's kicking ass. (laughs)
0: i mean that's the other part too is that some of these coaches or some of these administrators really want some of the big names out there but don't realize how much the big names are getting you know what
1: all in in, if you're all in with camp money out of season clinics and you know all the stuff that you have to sort of have in place to recruit the very very best of the best you know that number isn't too out of reach when you think of Princeton's appeal. Where oh, it's located their, their ability to do that can do it.
0: One hundred percent, they yeah. could definitely do that. My thing is, is all right. So Gary Gate comes in. Let's just let's just go because as college former college coaches, we always did this. Like, well, if that happens, then this will right. happen, and then this happens.
1: You end it's up right. like you end up. It's like the old marble board game, Stay Alive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Remember that? That was the best. Right.
0: <laughs> but imagine if Gary Gate comes into Princeton, okay, and he does, and he is successful. Is he making a play at Q's? He will be is successful.
1: That- no well,
0: but is he, but is it, but is it an ultimate play? I believe Gary, a out, of, I believe
1: Gary has it written into his contract that he has first right of refusal when Desco decides to move on. Uh, that's what I believe was written into his Syracuse contract. And that would make a ton of sense. Uh, it would. Yeah. It would. But I, I'm curious if maybe if that
0: isn't the case, that Gary goes to Princeton, proves himself, which would be pretty easy to do. Gary, I think it's pretty good. Uh, and then makes a play at Syracuse by getting into the game. But in either case, that's a good one. I like rumors. We'll start spreading a ton of rumors on this show. I'm so glad to uh, spread them
1: instead of them said.
0: <laughs> uh, conference tournaments, AT, MAC playoffs. Let's start. We're going to go through all of them. Yeah. Uh, there were eight of them, and it's a lot. And there were some not so surprising results, and then there were very, very surprising results. Right. But we'll start with the MAC playoffs. No surprise here. Quinnipiac beats Canisius in round one. Marist beats Monmouth in round one. Quinnipiac takes the MAC championship with a 13 9 victory over Marist. How are you feeling about Quinnipiac given the success this year and taking the MAC championship to earn their AQ in the national tournament, AD?
1: I feel pretty good about Quinnipiac. I frankly thought Marist would win because I thought that I just I just felt like they would end up getting them. Back, Joe Reed, and I just felt like they had—they're they, tough, and they've gotten a bigger win than Quinnipiac all of the year with their win over Stony Brook, you know, a few weeks back. I just—I just thought that Marist won the game, but two Eric Fex credit Quinnipiac found a way to get it done you look at Jack Brust 13 saves 59% save percentage in the goal you married yep. up with Will Vitale going 20 for 25 at the X to fuel a 41 to 16 Quinnipiac GB advantage in the game and it's not surprising that Quinnipiac won the game and I think right. that anytime you go into the tournament and you're facing a team with a goaltender that saves 60% and a face-off guy that wins 80% that's a scary team to have to play against. I don't care yep. who you are. So, you know, I feel, I feel like Quinnipiac is going to be taken seriously for sure. Uh, but, you know, that also depends on who their opponent is.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I would say that they also have some guns on the offensive end uh, that I've been impressed with, certainly in the recruiting process. Uh, we know a good friend of ours, Bruce Brady, he's done a great job recruiting some of those guys. He's since left with 3D. Uh, but they've done a great job of keeping those guys in house, and they've done a great job developing those guys in house. Um, so I, in the same way that you feel, I also think that Quinnipiac could be a dangerous team. But let's face it, it is still the MAC. Their conference schedule doesn't give you an exact, um, you know, it, it doesn't give you a good read on how they would play against some of the bigger, more national, nationally ranked teams. NEC playoffs. This was not the same as the MAC. Hobart, the huge underdogs, going into their round one game versus Bryant, pulls out the 7-6 win and then advances to St. Joe's, takes the 11-7 commanding win over the Hawks. The Hawks have not, have not won in their conference title game in the last four years in a row. Buffalo however, Bills, here, Buffalo Bills. <laughs> however, give Hobart all the credit in the world. Certainly, Raymond, coming on strong at the end of the season here. How do you feel about Hobart, AT?
1: I think Hobart's playing their best lacrosse right now when it's most important. Look, they right. they avenged a 15-2 to regular season loss against Bryant on Thursday and came back and avenged a 13-5 to loss to St. Joe's during the regular season, to win the NEC final eleven to seven, right? It just it's it's incredible that kind of revenge, you know. MVP Jackson Brown, their goaltender, thirteen saves, sixty five percent in the title game. Yep, they go three for six on extra man. You know, they win thirteen for twenty one at the X. Sean Donnelly, two and two. Brian Hancock three and zero. Oh. You know, you look at Hobart's schedule this year. They opened the season 2-5 and with their wins beating Siena, who was rock bottom all year, and Binghamton, who just fired their coach, okay? (laughs) And the teams that they lost to, they lost by five goals at Penn State, a very legitimate program this season, right on the verge of making, you know, the NCAA playoffs. They lost 10-8 at Cornell. We all know they were down 3-zip getting off the bus.
0: Right? Yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. And they lost that's a right. one-goal game to Colgate, and those were three. There were three of the first, you know, five games they lose, and then they win three games in a row: Georgetown by a goal, Canisius by a goal, Wagner by a goal. Right? Maybe not something they're going to publicize, but still, they they find <laughs> right. a way to win the one-goal games. Then they digress slightly, losing to St. Joe's and Syracuse. They lose to Syracuse thirteen to six after losing to St. Joe's thirteen to five. Then they go and they finish. You know, five out of the next six, losing, you know, beating Robert Morris, beating St. Mary's, beating Sacred Heart, Bryant in the semis, and then St. Joe's in the finals. They dropped a regular season game to Bryant, you know, towards the very, very end of the year. This is a team that's scary, and and they've played some some pretty good teams, and they're playing their best lacrosse at the end of the year. I would love to see Greg Raymond get a W in the NCAA tournament. That would just be great.
0: That is interesting. Uh, the CAA playoffs. Not shocking here again. Hashra loses to Fairfield. Towson gets on Drexel. Towson finishes the season with the AQ beating Fairfield four to two. More incredible is that I think Las Vegas Lions had the over under in this game at five and a half. Uh, so great, <laughs> <laughs> so great job there. Uh, but, Towson, Towson, <laughs> but Towson uh, punches their ticket. That was an obvious joke. I think they had it probably around twenty. Uh, And they only scored six total in the game. Uh, Towson punches their ticket. How are you feeling about the Towson Tigers, A.T.?
1: Towson, I I feel good about Towson. You know, frankly, I would love to see Hobart beat them. I really would. But I think that's going to be a tall task for Hobart. Towson, you know, finished the season uh, with only two losses, losing at Johns Hopkins and losing a very odd game on April 16th to Delaware outside of those two losses, they're an undefeated team. Now, this is a team that's obviously had their success based on the strength of a great goaltender and the strength of great defense. They've, they've been able to keep games low scoring, and they've been able to win close games. So yep. credit Sean Nadolin and his staff. Certainly, you know, you've got every reason to believe that Sean Nadolin has earned the adulation and earned people looking at him as potentially the next coach at Princeton. I think that they're going to get it done over Hobart. Frankly, I, I, I hope Hobart wins the game, but I just think that Towson is going to find a way to get this done. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think that both teams are playing great team defense. Obviously, Jackson Brown's playing great, the goalie for Hobart at this point. I just think at the end of the day that Towson's going to find a way to win a low-scoring game, 8-6, something like that. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I feel I feel good about Towson at this point. I, I don't feel as great about them as I did over the course of the first half of the season where you and I spoke in earlier yep. podcasts about them potentially being a um final four yeah final type four team. type team. I just I just don't think they have enough offense for them to play that well. And I think that as good as Tyler White has been over the course of the year, let's face it, he was fifteen saves, eighty eight save percentage on Sunday, I just think he has been exposed in some games. And I just I, I think it'll be enough for them to beat Hobart, but I just don't think I think that's where their season ends.
0: AT SoCon playoffs, it took a a one-and-a-half goal differential for Air Force to punch their ticket to the tournament as they beat Richmond in overtime for their conference title victory. Air Force, they've been great all year. Can they do it? Can they make a run?
1: I think they can for sure. They just found a way to win another close game. They've been doing it all year long. It, it, It really is incredible. MVP of the tournament game. You know, every day at the tournament, I guess, Doug Guccio, 10 saves, 56 save percentage. Andrew Teen, you know, the recruit that sort of no one wanted, lit it up. Three goals, one assist, including the game winner in OT versus Richmond, Nick Ruby, Three goals, and then Alex Warden, their D-man, holding Richmond's Teddy Hatfield, who lit up high point on Thursday night, you know, holding him to 0-1. This game was statistically as even as you could get. I think we all felt that this was going to be a good game. I actually felt that the loss that Richmond had, uh, you know, from from their stud player. Uh, Mitch Goldberg. Mitch Goldberg, yeah, what a stud. I, I thought that that would sort of be the difference in the game. And you look at a 9-8 loss in overtime, and you got to feel like that maybe was the difference in the game. Right. But C- credit Air Force, they found a way to get it done, and, you know, they go into the tournament, a scary team to play.
0: Big Ten playoffs. Beating one team twice in the same season is a monumental task. For Rutgers to do it against Hopkins, I would put that up there as incredible. Rutgers does it again, however, falls to the monster that has become the Maryland Terrapins in the championship game. I don't think that anyone was surprised by that result, but I think that many thought that this win from Rutgers would have put them into the tournament, coupled with increasing their RPI ranking by playing Maryland again, regardless of the outcome. However, while we'll get to that in a minute... Maryland punches their ticket into the NCAA tournament, arguably at this point before we know about the selection show, of course. We'll talk about that in a second. As the strongest team in the field. How are you feeling?
1: I think that this is no surprise to anybody. Rutgers has been playing great. I'll tell you, Rutgers, their ass had to be hurting on Monday morning after not making the tournament, which we'll address later. But Maryland just got it done. You know, they're playing very, very consistently. Burnlor, 12 saves, 64% save percentage, You know, Rambo, 3-3, three three. Kelly, 4-0, Cole, 2-2, Moltz 3-0. They're just doing it with a bunch of players offensively. Yep. That's got to be a nightmare for opposing coaches looking to scout Maryland's offense. How do you stop them? And, and they've recently been sort of getting rinsed at the faceoff X. You know, once Henningsen comes back and they – yeah, and he might even be back, but they, they, they were winning 70% of the face-offs, you know, earlier in the season. And then he got hurt. Rutgers had a slight advantage going 13 for 24 in this game. But if Maryland ends up winning face-offs, they, they might, they might just blow right through the NCAA tournament. Um, they're, they're a scary team. Rutgers in this game only cleared 11 out of 16. You just can't, you can't give the ball back to Maryland with the defense that they play, the goalie that they have. And, the complete offense that they have 14 goals for Maryland, you know, not bad for a team that plays so slow.
0: <laughs> That's so true. I personally have Maryland as an easy final four team. Uh, we all know that Maryland's been there four to five years. Um, you know, but in terms of them making an actual legitimate run this year, you got to think experience is high for them. Of course, we'll get that, get to that in a second. Now, for the three, probably you know. Biggest surprises of the conference tourney last Thursday. The American East, probably the biggest shocker of them all. Both top seeded Albany and Stony Brook lose in round one to the Catamounts of UVM and the Hartford Hawks. Hartford ends up beating UVM in the championship, securing the AQ. But, AT, how the hell did this happen? And in this case, was this a classic case, excuse me, of overlooking your opponent?
1: I don't, I don't think so. I think that Hartford is legit in that when they put a guy out, which is proven to be the best face-off guy in the country, at least statistically, in Dylan Protesto, it was 22 for 36 in the final. He won, I believe, 20 of 24 in the semi. He was MVP of the Amherst tournament. You get the ball that much of the time, and you got a good goalie, Ryan Vanderford, Yep. Had 15 saves for Hartford in this game versus just nine for UVM's John Kaplan. I think you can point to that statistic along with the faceoffs, as, you know, why Hartford was able to win this game. Uh, you know, you just but, – but it makes them a scary team. It really does, particularly with the face-off advantage. Pete Lawrence has done a really, really good job of validating Hartford as a great landing spot for prospects that may not get the first look at some of the more ho- high-profile colleges out there. Yep. And he's been able to mold their group into a team that people are not gonna want to see because they don't beat themselves. You know, you yep. better you better be successful at the faceoff acts. And if you are, you you may be able to take it to Hartford. But but we don't know. I mean Hartford gave up sixteen goals. They won sixty six percent of the faceoffs are close. Their goalie has fifteen saves and they still gave up sixteen goals. <laughs> right. That's that's kind of a kind of an odd combination but right. obviously it was enough for them to win the game so credit those guys they certainly earned their way all the way to the am east uh championship and and a berth into the NCAA tournament I was so, impressed
0: and all and of course you know again we're going to talk about the snubs in the tournament and a few but for stony brook when they lost you had to think that was the end of their season for sure biggies playoffs another huge soccer Not necessarily in round one, Marquette beats Villanova. Denver beats Providence, uh, both with relative ease. Uh, Marquette downs the Pioneers in a huge upset. A 5-0 third quarter run is enough to hold off Denver. Marquette punches their ticket to the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. What do you think?
1: You look at this game. I was, first of all, Denver's terrifying. I feel like they'll never lose another lacrosse game ever again. <laughs> it's so lying. true. As long as Bill Tierney and Browning are coaching there, I know. and Trevor Baptiste is, fading, I, I just, I just feel like they're never ever going to lose another lacrosse game ever again. I know, you know. But you look at Marquette's season; they've really had uh, the, the results. Shouldn't be that much of a shock, save one game, which was at Duke on April twenty second. They lose sixteen to one. Right, which is, is really an aberration. You know? Yeah, Atrocious. but it's an aberration when Fair. you look at the rest of their schedule. Fair. They had a loss in the beginning of March at Ohio State, 12-8, which, again, you picked Ohio State in that game. I picked, I picked Marquette, which sucked. <laughs> uh, but then they had, as you said, so funny last week, is Marquette's best win was actually a one-goal loss to Notre Dame throughout the whole year. That's right. leading up until this of this course, game of course you know which which blows you away so uh frankly I, I never would have thought that Marquette would have been able to pull it off particularly in the Big East final but credit Joe amplo he's one of the hottest coaches in the country right now and it's a scary team that wins face offs and plays great defense they can hold you down they can win faceoffs they're going to be in a position to dic- dictate the outcome of the game and they were able to do that against arguably the best team in the country in Denver. So, that unbelievable kid, win. That
0: kid McNamara is an absolute animal, too, on the offensive end. What an impressive he player he is. Um, but, you know, and to see what Marquette's done, especially after that whole incident a few years ago or a year or two ago, uh, that was awful, awful situation. Uh, to see Joe take his team and put them to where they are right now is really impressive. The entire culture change, uh, all the things he's done, uh, and, and to do it in the state of Wisconsin uh, is also impressive. It really,
1: impressive. Is, it really is unbelievable. They, they went from six and ten in two thousand fourteen to ten and six last year, to eleven and four, and the Big East tournament champions and the number six seed in the NCAA tournament in three years. That's impressive. Give him a raise,
0: <laughs> and that's why we always say, you know, when it comes job time and in schools like Princeton uh, and maybe some other high profile jobs that might open this summer, you got to think that Joe Anplow's name has got to be on the first, uh, first, uh, first on that list.
1: And the advice okay. is, take it, Joe. You know, <laughs> listen. As great as it's been out in Marquette, you take the job. This is because if you don't take the job, it may never come around again. That's true. It's and, always and, true.
0: You it's know, always. He's bare, no measure. idiot. He's no idiot. Ivy playoffs, of course. I left this one off as the last one, Thanks. but I, but I thought maybe I would have had to have driven up to Connecticut to walk you off the ledge. But it seems like you're alive and well, bud. Well, it's good to see. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Harvard with the I, big,
1: I compartmentalized win. disappointment. <laughs> Har-
0: I can't I can't imagine where it goes. Uh, Harvard with the big
1: win <laughs> against Brown. Onto the trackball goes right into the <laughs> golden tee <State> trackball <laughs> My average drive distance has gone from 345 to 385 from
0: Friday night. Uh, Harvard with the big win against Brown and a tremendously played game uh, from both teams. Then Yale secures the AQ with a narrow margin victory over Penn, which we actually thought that if any of them, Penn would have won. I thought Penn had the best chance to make a biggest upset. Certainly didn't call Hartford and Vermont beating Albany and and Stony Brook. However... Uh, then they had the convincing win over a strong, confident Harvard squad. Uh, Yale punches their ticket. How do you feel about Yale? Because obviously we'll get to Brown in a second.
1: Yale just continues to impress me. Andy Shea, Graham Nemi, Andrew Baxter. Those guys just continue to find a way to get it done. It, it really is incredible. Again, they found out, and Penn played them really tough, had them on the ropes all the way down to the end. They lose Michael Quinn. They, you know, it just doesn't matter what the setback is. And, again, that's just a, an unbelievable reflection on the culture of the Yale program and the system that they have in place on the offensive end, the defensive end, in between the lines. You know, it's just they they just plug people in. They found a way to win another one-goal game against Penn, and credit Mike Murphy and those guys came to play. I thought, I thought Yale would blow them out. I thought Penn – would show their youth in this game, but they did not. They came to play and they pushed Yale all the way to the end, and then of course Yale goes to the final against Harvard, who had them dead in the water. Harvard leading Yale eight four know, late in the game, just in the last game, last game of the season, you know, just last weekend, and for Yale to find a way to stretch it out after you know Harvard had played them in a tight first half, just goes to show you that this is a very very scary team. Maybe. Maybe the best job coaching all season long from Andy Shea and his staff. Uh they just they just don't seem to ever lose close games, although well, they did lose to Albany, but I just think when it counts, that's that's a that's a that's a program that's hard to bet against.
0: I uh, I did call it in the beginning of the year. I said Yale to the final four. Um and I wasn't so sure about it, but now I feel great. <laughs> I mean, their ability to 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 win games like this, especially with things that have happened in their pro- like losing Michael Quinn is a big deal. Yeah, um, you know, certainly not having the success of the faceoff facts is a big deal. But they've been able to uh, withstand all
1: of that all year round. Goalie change was huge for them. You know, putting in Krantz and you know Phil Hufford came in as a, a really high profile goalie recruit out of Darien High School and it was a very very good goalie, but just yep. Has struggled this year, and for them to make the change, credit those guys. You know, they just, they just, they just seem to not make any mistakes as a staff. Ben Reeves, four and five, uh, four goals, five assists in the final. You know, Yale goes seventeen for twenty-five at the X to fuel a forty to twenty-four GB advantage against Harvard. And Harvard just came off a huge win against Brown, but Yale does. Yale seems to take control of the game regardless of who they play, they just seem to take control of the game. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the tournament. You know, frankly, I think that the Yale faithful are praying that they don't see Brown in the quarters, but knowing Andy Shea and how competitive he is, I'll bet you he wants Brown. I I, I bet he does. Just knowing the way that he is, I bet he wants Brown. And I think that, um, you know, Selfishly, I hope that those are the two teams that are playing in the quarters.
0: It'll be interesting on that note. When we come back, we'll talk selection show. We'll talk the tournament, maximize your comfort. Forget, I I, I, I selection show. There were snubs. There were shockers, uh, but let's go through it. Number one seed, only three top seeds. But oh, by the way, so, I was doing all this research on all the seeds. I was like, you know, let's do some research because how much how much parody has there been? I'm going through, like, Wikipedia. I'm going through, uh, you know, lax.com because that's where I usually get all my stats. Inside the cross. And I do all this research only to see College Cross, Erie Barrister, pop out the exact information I wanted. And it pissed me off because I spent, like, three hours doing it all only for him to already have done it. And I could have just credited him and just used his information. So I'm going to use his information, and if he's wrong, then I'm just going to blame him.
1: So Erie, study when you, you can copy.
0: <laughs> so Erie, I'm going to give you Erie Barrister at College Cross. I'm going to give you all the credit for all this seating information, even though I actually did it myself. However, now if I'm wrong, actually you're wrong now.
1: Nice, so. <laughs> nice, nice name, Erie. I'm willing to bet your favorite holiday is Halloween. <laughs> Uh, Number one seeds. Only t-
0: only three top seeds have won uh, since 2006 over the last 10 years. UVA in 2006, arguably one of the best national championship teams of all time. Uh, Loyola 2012 and Duke in 2014. But Maryland gets the nod here, A.T. They will play the winner of the QPAC-Hartford play-in game. Maryland getting the number one seed. Do you disagree with this? I doubt it.
1: No, Maryland, Maryland's earned that. They've established themselves as... I think the, based on their body of work, their losses were you know, earlier in the year to Yale and to Notre Dame. All they've done is prove it week in, week out since mid-May that they are the most complete team in the country at this point. They've got a great goalie. They've got perhaps the best close defense in the country. They've got a very, very scary offense that knows exactly who they are and how they want to play. You can't scout one or two guys on their team. As everybody's dangerous. And again, I think the I think the Achilles heel for this team is going to be the face-off X and the faceoff group. Yeah. Unless Austin Henningson comes back healthy. If he can come back and play at the level that he played at before he got hurt, which was again 70% or so success rate, I I think that's the one area where they could lose. And so I, I think Hartford's going to end up beating Quinnipiac in this game, and I think that Dylan Protesto is Hartford's shot to shock the world versus Maryland in that game. So I'm not, I'm not shocked. Maryland deserved the number one seed.
0: Maryland definitely deserves the number one seed and certainly made the, com- uh, the committee's job much easier with all the results of the um, conference tournaments, that's for sure. Um, certainly Denver losing in their conference tournament obviously made it easy for Maryland to get it. Uh, and then at the same time, if you looked at Brown, potentially as getting the number one seed or the number two seed, certainly them losing in their first round of their tournament helped them as well too. Uh, in terms of my prediction on the first round, uh, I think that Quinnipiac beats Hartford. Certainly covers. So Las Vegas Lions does have the first round. Uh it's a two and a half goal spread. I'll give you your pick back, A. T. You have Hartford as the winner, but do you think they cover two and a half? Uh is the question. I'll give it back to you. I personally think that Quinnipiac will win outright.
1: I think I think Hartford covers outright. I think Hartford wins and I think they cover. Uh I just I just think that they're they're your face off guy is too good. But we'll see what happens because Quinnipiac's face off guy Vitali was you know 20 for 25 in the NEC championship. So uh this is it's not the NEC championship, the MAC championship. Um but it's it's going to be a battle. That I just think Protesto is 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 too dialed in and I think I think Hartford wins this game.
0: Number 2 seeds, only 3 have made it to the final 4 since 2006. Syracuse in 09 is the only one to ever win the title in the last ten years. Denver gets the number two seed. They will play the winner of the Towson Hobart matchup. Do you agree with Denver getting the number two seed here?
1: Absolutely. I I you know I I think that had they not lost to Marquette, I would have seen them as the number one seed. Yeah, I agree. But but it worked out the way that it did. Marquette earned that victory, and I think that Denver's body of work has more than justified a number two seed in this tournament, for sure.
0: I uh, I have Towson. So Towson is favored by three against Hobart. Um, I have Towson covering that. Um, and I also think that Denver deserves... I actually think that Denver is probably going to win the national championship this year. And at the conclusion of the show, uh, the show we're going to pick our final fours uh, before the tournament starts. At, uh, but Denver securely has my final four. Maryland, I think, has my final four as well. Uh, but I have Denver to beat Towson in the round one. I,
1: I, got? I think I got uh, I got Hobart to cover in the Towson Hobart game. I just don't think Towson blows anyone out, and I think that Hobart's playing really well. Has a great goalie in Jackson Brown, so I don't think that. I don't think that Towson covers that spread. I do think that Towson wins, but I think it's a one-goal win. Um, and then after that, DU versus Towson. Towson is a great goalie and a great defense, but I'll take great shooters over great goalies any day, and I just think that Denver is the best shooting team in Division One lacrosse, so I got Denver coming out of this, moving on to the quarterfinals in this ground.
0: Number three seed's. Two have won the title in the last 10 years. Four have made it to the Final Four. Uh, None as recent as 2009, however. So Notre Dame grabs the number three slot here. They will play the SOCON champ, Air Force. One, do you agree with the Air Force being the number three? uh, Excuse me, Notre Dame being the number three seed. And two, does Air Force have a shot at Notre Dame here?
1: There's no question that Air Force has a shot against Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's playing very well. you know, I, I, and, I, and Air Force is obviously playing great. Now, the fact that Air Force has won what, 15 games in a row or or whatever that number is, you know, might have been to their advantage to have lost a game in April. It, it, it The fact that Notre Dame isn't playing very well, I think, is going to make them a little hungrier. I, I Frankly, I would love to see Air Force win this game, and I think they're going to play them well. But hard to bet against Notre Dame... In the national tournament, in the first round, I just I just see that being, you know, uh, too tall of a task for Air Force, and so I'm I'm going to take Notre Dame in this round. But I can see it being a close game. I can see 10-8, something like that. So, right. I, you know, but I but I see Notre Dame more than justified with the number three seed, but but really because nobody else seemed to want it. Right. Um that's that was sort of the feeling at the end. So I, I you know I don't I don't have a problem with Notre Dame going at number 3. It was somewhat predictable after Brown lost. I, I could have seen Yale potentially as the number 3 seed, but you know what uh, I don't I don't have a problem with Notre Dame especially like seeing Notre Dame and Denver opposite in the bracket than Brown.
0: Number 4 seeds. Number 4 teams have made it to the Final 4 over the last 10 years uh, or excuse me, four teams have made it to the Final 4 over the last 10 years, uh, most recently making it three out of the last four years with Denver, of course, winning the national championship last year. So the number four seeds have had some pretty good success. Yale grabs the number four spot over their rival Brown, of course. No one was, uh, no one can see the rematch yet since Brown lost to Harvard in the first round of the Ivy League championship. Uh, but that's probably the reason why they got the number four f- seed. They will play Navy as one of the... Questionable at-larges in the first round. One, do you agree uh, with Yale being the number four seed? And what do you think the outcome of the Yale-Navy game will be?
1: I definitely agree with Yale earning the number four seed. Look, they won the Ivy Championship, they had two losses in Brown and Albany. They're arguably the best coached team. In the country, and there's a lot of really good staffs that have done a phenomenal job this year. But you look at them losing to Michael Quinn and still finding a way to beat Penn by a goal on Friday night to come back and beat Harvard pretty thoroughly, especially down the stretch of that game. I I think that they've their 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 body work speaks for itself. They've earned the fourth seed. Now, the Navy Yale game, I think, is going to be a bloodbath.
0: Nice.
1: I, I think that Navy's going to win the face-off X versus Yale. I think that Navy's going to struggle to score goals against Yale. I really do. I, I see this as a yep. very, very low-scoring game, 7-5, something like that. If Yale gets the goaltending out of Krantz that they've gotten in the last few games, you marry that up with, I think, Andy Shea's ability to break down an opponent perhaps better than anybody else out there. I feel like, you know, you gotta, you gotta feel like Yale is going to win the game, but I, I'm going to go off the board here. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to take Navy in this game. And the reason I'm going to take Navy is because I think that that team is a, is brutal to play against. They're going to win the faceoffs. They might not score a lot of goals on Yale, but they've got the defense to cover Ben Reeves. They've got the athletes and compete as hard as anyone between the lines. And I think that that is what Yale does better than most teams is they play. They're super tough and they're very athletic and they play very hard and fast. But I think that those are all characteristics that make Navy Navy. Yep. They've got an unbelievable pole. They've got uh, a good goalie. I, I think that Yale. I think this is a this is a this is a tough opponent for Yale to see Navy in the first round. You know what's, how's Navy going to handle the last, you know two weeks, uh, you know, coming off a tough first round loss to the Patriot League, you know or whatever semifinal loss to, to to Army that was dejecting after winning the Patriot League regular season championship,
0: then losing you to know, Maryland ten days before that. Yeah, I I, I
1: think I think for most teams. That would get you down. But the bad news for Yale is I don't think Navy gets sad. I think they get mad. And, (laughs) you know, I I think that Navy is going to be ready to go because two weeks of not playing after a disappointing loss to Army is a whole lot better than two regular weeks attending Navy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going off
1: the board here. And as, as big of a fan as I am of the job that Andy Shea and his staff have done this year, and how much I appreciate watching a team like Yale compete at the highest level. I think that this game sets up well for Navy, and Navy's faceoff guy ends up as the MVP of this game. I'm picking Navy.
0: Yale, Navy. I've got Yale. Uh, I just don't think that. Uh, I, I just feel like Navy, as good as they've done, I think that taking that much time off is 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 not always good. I think they'll get a little rejuvenized knowing that they're in the tournament. I think that they were thinking they were the first ones out of the tournament. Uh, you could argue that, and we'll talk a little bit about it later too. Uh, you could argue Rutgers, Harvard. Uh, those two guys were probably in over Navy, but they got the nod. Uh, but I've got Yale here. I think they're just too strong all the way across. And I know that Navy's got the edge of the face-off game, but I think that Yale's face teams with the edge in the face-off game all season long, and they've, they've won. Um, so I'm taking Yale in this one, uh, in the first round, number five seeds, three have made it to the national title title game since 2006. Duke won it in 2010 as the five seed. Here comes the bears of Brown state university, clearly one of the most dynamic teams in the field. They will play Johns Hopkins in round one. How are you feeling about your Brown bears as a number five team? And how do you feel about them playing Hopkins?
1: I feel I feel great. I think that number five seed is about what they deserve, given that they had a late season loss to Harvard. Let's face it, Harvard played the game of their life on Friday night and deserved to win the game. You know, Brown was in control at eight five, uh, but Harvard kept playing, and and obviously Morgan Cheek scores nine. I think within the you know I, I keep reading on the blogs, you know who why do not they make an adjustment to Morgan Cheek? Morgan Cheek. Is is a very good player, and he, but he got a lot of his goals within the framework of the way that the play flowed. It's not yeah. like they gave him the ball, they cleared out, and they said, "All right, you know, Morgan Cheek, take this guy to the cup and dodge the double team and score nine goals." That didn't happen. He didn't score nine goals that way. You know, it, it, well, he wasn't Casey Powell. That's it's what he he,
0: he, he tried he, to do that against Yale in the championship game, and it failed miserably.
1: Yeah, that's that's not the type of player he is. But he is very opportunistic, and he is a very crafty finisher and. You know, the ball ended up flowing to him in the in the game, and he ended up capitalizing on those opportunities. So, you know, credit Morgan Cheek there. But I just think that Brown, I think this is going to uh, fuel Brown's focus. I think that Lars and his staff are going to have these guys ready to play. And I couldn't draw up a better script for them to play perhaps, you know, the most storied program in all of Division One lacrosse and Johns Hopkins at home after a very heartbreaking loss to Harvard. I just see Brown having too much offense for Hopkins defense. Yep. I see Brown controlling the middle of the field with Will Garal and Kemp and Tullett. I do think that Will Garal will be in for a challenge that day versus Mataraz, uh, who I think is underrated at Johns Hopkins. Um, but I just think the wings are going to be too much. And Brown's going to control the middle of the field. And Brown's goalie, I think, is a first-team All-American goalie. And I think one of the subtleties of this game is going to be the fact that, and I was speaking to Jamie Monroe about this, is that Johns Hopkins has struggled clearing the ball all season long. And Lars Tiffany coaches the ride as well as anyone. Yep. And I think what you're going to see is – Brown is going to get ride backs versus Hopkins. That's going to lead to easy goals, and they're going to start to celebrate, and the Hopkins helmets are going to start to hang, um, you know, midway through the third quarter. So I see Brown winning a very high scoring game. I could see it being 19-11, something like that. But if Hopkins is able to win face offs and have those wins translate to settled scoring opportunities for Johns Hopkins, and Ryan Brown goes out and scores eight goals. You know, you could see a really close game, but I just think that Brown has too much for Hopkins. I, I like Brown in this game.
0: Uh, as do I. I like Brown. You could argue that in some ways, you know, does does Hopkins even deserve to be in the tournament? I mean, again, they were another team like Navy that was outside looking in, in some cases, in some for some people. Um, I, I just think that Brown is way too strong. I mean, this could be the worst matchup for Johns Hopkins going into the tournament. You could have probably picked any other Great. team uh, in the tournament for Hopkins to win on round one, and I think this is the worst one for them.
1: I agree. I agree. <clears throat>
0: I don't think that even though you might say Garral doesn't match up well with Maderas, it's 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 all about the whole crew on the faceoff.
1: See, I Navy think. would have been a much scarier opponent for Brown in this game than Hopkins because of their ability to compete at the faceoff x, how hard they play, and you know their their very stingy defense. You know, yep. Hopkins is an offensive team. Yeah. They're not a defensive team. Now, I, so I just, I just see that as a bad matchup for Brown. Uh, I'm sorry, a bad matchup for Hopkins in this game. And I'm glad that, you know, again, I hope I don't eat my words. But I, I, I would rather see Johns Hopkins than Navy in the first round. But let's hope I don't jinx them.
0: Number six seeds. They'd made it to the title game over the last two years. But the biggest shocker in my mind in the selection show, Mark Kett steals the number six seed. And we'll play UNC in round one, not the eight seed, not the seven seed. Not practice, not games.
1: (laughs) We're talking about practice.
0: (laughs) Marquette steals the number six seed. AT, one, do you agree with Marquette getting the number six seed? And two, who do you have in the first round, UNC versus Marquette? And should UNC, well, we'll get to whether UNC should have made it, but who do you got in that first round?
1: Frankly, I'm not a buyer of Marquette earning the number six seed in what amounts to really be sort of a one big win season. You know, they can talk about Marquette beating Villanova twice. Villanova ended up falling off significantly in the last half of the season. I just think that one win over Denver, you know, let's make Penn state the number six team. Then they beat Denver. Right. Right. You know, I just, I, I, I don't, I think I could argue that they could be reversed given, you know, the big wins that Carolina had, you know, throughout the year beating Notre Dame and Duke and Hopkins. You know, UVA didn't mean anything this year. They beat Richmond, who had a great year. You know, I, I could argue that the seating should be flip-flopped here, that Carolina should be six, and Marquette should come in unseated. So uh, I don't believe that Marquette, even though they've had a great year finishing the season 11-4, and Big East champs with a huge win over Denver, playing their best at the end of the year, I just don't think that one game makes it makes your season that way yet. They seem to be rewarded with the number six seed in the tournament. Now where they weren't rewarded was the fact that they got to play <laughs> North Carolina, you know, right. and you got Dave Metzbauer and Joe Brash and that group of players that have had, you know, exits in the national tournaments earlier than they had hoped in the previous few years. You got Steven Kelly coming, getting off the plane, you know, ready to compete, chase every single ground ball, You've got an offense that's been able to mature under Dave Metzbauer. I think Carolina wins this game. Uh, and I think that... I think Carolina could end up being a Final Four team. We'll see what happens. I don't want to jinx them, but I got Carolina winning this game.
0: I have Carolina winning this game. I can't. I cannot believe that Marquette gets the number six seed. Like, I, 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 I'm i
1: looking at their schedule right now. They should have to play Penn State to see who gets the number six seed. <laughs> It's so weird. Just beyond that. Even even Penn State Tamba, right after he lost
0: in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, was like, that's the end of our season. We don't have a chance. But it's like, but yet, I mean, I'm looking at the, the best win they had was a one goal loss to Notre Dame. That's what it was. Ohio State, they lost. Duke They lost, 16-1. Denver, they lost. They beat Denver, of course, at the end of the season. So they were in the tournament no matter what because they earned it. They they beat Denver. It's the only team they beat. Villanova
1: twice. They played Notre Dame.
0: Where does Villanova become in the question of a good team that they won? Villanova is not a good team. At the end of the season, you look at their whole body of work. Villanova was not a good team. They beat Providence, St. John's, Georgetown, Fairfield, Bucknell, Penn, Delaware, Drexel, Penn State. None of which Villanova at all it would put them in cont- Like, And people are stalk- talking about Villanova as a team that could have been admitted as a lot large, including the selection show guy.
1: Maybe people were confused because they won the hoop championship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. And Marquette gets the number six seed because... Here we're gonna to go to the number seven seed. They've won it twice over the last five years. Loyola scoops up the second to last seed here, oh and we play Duke in about round a one. Draft
1: job. That
0: and Loyola picks up the seventh yeah. seed. I don't like. That's ridiculous. Right. And and of course, if I were to pick, if I was Loyola and I was Charlie Toomey, and I had the pick of any team to not play, the number one on my list would be I don't want to play Duke in the first round. That's right. And they do. And they play Duke in the first round.
1: Right. If Cottle was there, you know that they wouldn't be playing (laughs) Duke in the first round.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so miserable. How do you feel about Loyola being the number seven seed? And how do you feel about that Duke-Loyola match? They
1: got so screwed. Loyola got so screwed in this (laughs) game. You know, but listen, credit... Charlie to me and these guys they they don't they don't whine about it at all. Nah. You know, his response was it just wouldn't be the same if Loyola wasn't playing Duke in the first round. <laughs> I mean, what a stud to respond that way because you know that he's looking at this thinking you know Son what, of what a what a screw. screw <laughs> these guys beat us 15 to 6 and now they're coming us we're playing them at home. So what? They're a different
0: Mark, team right now. Let's face it. Loyola, Loyola is a, is a different, different
1: team, team, but but the problem is that Loyola, their success is directly linked to the success that Graham Savio has at the face-off so Graham Savio was a stud in the Patriot League tournament. Yep. Ended up winning Patriot League tournament MVP honors over Pat Spencer, who we know is a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but now he's got to go deal with Kyle Rowe, who – you know, could, wouldn't surprise me at all if Kyle Rowe goes and wins seventy percent of that game. Wouldn't either. wouldn't either. And and if he wins seventy percent of that game, which is what he did, I think he was twenty for twenty four in the regular season matchup against that, against Loyola, when Duke pounded that team. I actually picked Loyola in that game. You picked Duke. I was wrong. You were right. And now they got to play him again, and it just doesn't set up well for Loyola, who doesn't have the same kind of depth. They're playing great, but I just don't. I don't. I don't like them being able to matchup with Duke when Duke has the ball on offense. And if Duke's given getting, getting the ball eighty percent of the time, you know, regardless of who scores, I just don't think Loyola can can outlast them. I got Duke in this game, unfortunately, because I, I just think they're too much and I think they're gonna lose at the face off X. But it's it's too bad because I think Loyola, had they drawn another team, almost any other team, almost I would have team. picked them you know, to be a final four team. I think they're one of the, the, the top five teams in the country, but this is not an opponent that sets up well for, for Loyola. So uh, I hate to say it, but I got Duke.
0: I got Duke too. Uh, I got a Duke in, and I have it in a lot closer than it was the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if Loyola beats them. Of course not. However, I do. If I had to go with all my money, I'm going to go on Duke. I just personally can't believe that Marquette is seated over Loyola. I just don't understand that at all. I mean, me neither. I could pick, I mean, outside of Marquette winning the big East Marquette is, how does Marquette make the tournament as an at large losing to Denver in the last game of the season? I just, I just, I keep going back to that and I'm like, no, but you know, they're the first team out if they lose to Denver, but they're the number six seed. If they do, <laughs> I just don't get
1: that. I, I don't I don't
0: get it either number eight c the last one rounding this up no one has made it to the final four over the last 10 years as number 18 and again let's credit college cross and Erie barrister for doing their research Syracuse in 1999 be... <laughs> Syracuse in 1999 was the last to make it to the final four uh and make it to the and they also made it to the title game uh I believe UVA won in 99 undefeated as well uh that was tillman error right uh as a goalie Pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Um, In either case, uh, Syracuse is the final seeded team in the 2016 National Tournament. They will play Albany in the first round. I I feel like as a Syracuse team, you have to be fairly pumped up about this this matchup. You've already played them once, and you beat them handily. Albany's weakest part of their game is by far their face-off game.
1: They've gotten better. They, they, they have, have gotten, gotten better.
0: better. They have gotten better. And you got to argue that the strongest part of Syracuse's game is their faceoff uh area. Uh, although I will also say that their offense is clicking on all cylinders. Syracuse also was not seated ahead of Marquette. What are your thoughts here?
1: This is I didn't think that Albany was a lock to make the tournament. Some other people did. I just didn't feel like They were necessarily a lock. They obviously had a huge win over Yale, which gets them in, Um, you know. But I I think this is—I think this is an appropriate first round game. Yes, Syracuse got screwed. uh, But Syracuse got screwed with the eight seed. I could have seen Syracuse, you know, going in at five ahead of Brown. Even, you know, look—they're the ACC champs. They. Are on a five-game winning streak, having beaten North Carolina, Binghamton, North Carolina again, yep. Duke and Colgate during that stretch. I, we said in the last podcast that Syracuse has become an incredibly complete team with obviously the success that Ben Williams has had, and he's been a force throughout his time since he's transferred to Syracuse from Holy Cross. He destroyed Albany at the X in the regular season game in the very beginning of the year. But now, since they've moved it on to starting Evan Malloy, huge change uh, in the goal. You know, this is a guy that's saving the ball at a fifty-eight percent percentage since he's gotten in nets. They always have an offense that's scary. Yep. You know, it's it's the offense has never been the problem for Syracuse, and it's not a problem this year. They've got a lot of players just like Maryland that you know any of which seem like they could put up six points on any given time. So you marry that up with the fact that their goalie change has been a major step forward. Ben Williams is arguably the best of the best when he's on, which he usually is. And now you've got a defense that seems to be sliding with recovery in mind, shrinking the amount of time that the offense has to exploit that unsettled situation. And you've got the makings for a team that I think could go and win the national championship. They're playing well enough to win the national championship. They go into the ACC tournament as the four seed and go on and win the ACC tournament. Yeah. And they're playing a team that is a scary, scary offensive team that's never going to have the ball. And they're going to beat them. Yeah. Is, is what's going to happen. And then they're going to go on, and they're going to play Maryland in the corners, and that is going to be a war. Uh, so I got Syracuse winning this game. I have Syracuse. screwed on the seed. Yes. I
0: uh, I have Syracuse getting screwed on the seating too. And I have Albany – is um, certainly losing to Q's in that first round. I think it's a great matchup for Q's. Uh, but let's talk really
1: quick about the snubs. Ruckers. Quickly, Ryan. Quickly. quickly. Modifies how we're talking, which is a verb. Damn it. Adverbs, modify. I'm going to start verbs, cutting these out of the podcast. I'm going to start
0: cutting words. these out of the podcast. Harvard, <laughs> Ruckers, Stony Brook, and Bryant snubbed. What were your thoughts here?
1: Um, You know, I don't look at Bryant as a snub. Their wins were Brown and Harvard. Harvard wasn't even a top twenty team. They finished eight and eight, even though they had a big win over Harvard. I'm sorry, even though they had a big win over Brown on Friday, so they essentially had one win. Right. They beat Brown. Right. Well, they according on according according
0: to that though, they should have been the number six seed in the in the national tournament.
1: <laughs> very true, very true. But I just don't see you know I don't see them. Uh, you know, with any argument whatsoever. They had one win. They lost to Bucknell, Yale, Drexel, St. Joe's, Hobart. They're not even in the conversation. I agree. Uh, okay. You've got Stony Brook, which, after watching Stony Brook play over the course of the first six or seven weeks of the season, you and I both felt that this is a team that is very, very scary. Yep. They play with a lot of heart in between the lines, and they've got a super dangerous offense. With that said, they had one win. Yep. over Rutgers. They lost to Brown, Albany, Marist, which did them in for sure. Yeah, that definitely did. Them. And then Vermont this past weekend in Vermont's best game of the season. They don't have an argument for anything either. Even though we we both feel like they're a much better team than
0: their record indicates,
1: than perhaps they, you know, their record shows. Bill Parcells, your big fan who beat you, your team in two Super Bowls in five years and you became incommunicado, and distant weird quit and split for other programs, you know, says you are what you are. So Rutgers, you are, I'm sorry, Stony Brook, you are out of the playoffs and deservedly so. Uh, the next team, you look at Harvard, and I think they have you know, an interesting argument here. Uh, they have a win over Villanova, same as Marquette. Right? But they also have wins over Duke and Brown. right? Marquette has a win over Denver. But Harvard had a win over Duke and Brown. And Marquette got the number six seed. <laughs> so Help me to understand that. I don't get that. Now, what I do get is that Harvard had losses to Bryant, like Brown, Penn State, Brown during the regular season, BU, Albany, Penn, and Yale twice. So at the end of the day... Harvard had just too many losses. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, too many losses at 8-8. Eight eight, but imagine you know? but imagine
0: if they scheduled the same teams that Marquette schedules, would they have that many losses?
1: Well, Harvard would have finished 8-8 eight because eight that's what Harvard does every year, Ryan, <laughs> when they have huge <laughs> expectations going into the yeah, season. True. They find a way to finish 8-8. Eight that's eight, <laughs> true. Right? If they have no talent, they finish 8-8. Eight and, eight, and if they have all the talent in the world, they finish 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> so true. I think that no matter what, Harvard has it. I was, just thinking, I was th- just
0: thinking maybe if they played Detroit, Robert Morris. Quinapieck, Georgetown, Saint John's—just those five teams alone. Bellarmine, Providence—I
1: was just thinking they would have gotten the three seed. (laughs) I was just curious
0: if Harvard played those teams, those seven teams, maybe, maybe they would have been the three seed. That's that's fair enough.
1: I agree. Yeah, frankly, frankly, I I I had hoped that Harvard was going to beat Yale so that they. The Ivy League would have yes. sent three teams. I, I was hoping, yes, league. That's what I really what wanted. I wanted to. I, mean, I, I joke about Harvard, um, but I, I really had wanted them to win because three teams from the Ivy League would have been great yes, for both of us. I agree. Um, but I, I, I just think you lost. They lost too many games. I think then, you, then you get to the last team, and this is Rutgers. Okay, Rutgers, their wins were Johns Hopkins twice. Right? They beat Army, who was a top twenty team for most of the season. Yep. And they beat Penn State, who was a top twenty team for most of the season. But they beat Hopkins twice. Twice, right? They they their losses were Ohio State, a great loss uh, under five hundred, I believe. Um, you know, or just about five hundred. They lost to Stony Brook, who we just talked about. They lost to Maryland twice. You know, not not a problem. But their problem is they lost to Princeton. Yeah, that was a big one. Who I think finished the season five and eight, and that loss ended up killing them. And if you look at, you know, Hopkins, okay, you look at Rutgers beat Hopkins twice. They should have gone over, they should have gone over Hopkins. May, maybe so, but that's not the way that it works out. That's not the way that they evaluate. They're evaluating big wins, big losses. They're not evaluating, you know, teams head-to-head as much that way. And when you compare the two resumes, Hopkins beat Navy head-to-head, who's a tournament team, and they beat Syracuse. That Syracuse game gets Hopkins into the tournament, because that Syracuse win is a bigger win. Syracuse and Navy are bigger wins over Hopkins twice. And so I think Rutgers has the greatest argument for getting screwed out of the tournament, but I still think that it shook out the way that it should, given that Hopkins' losses were Loyola, UNC, Maryland... And then they lost to Rutgers twice. And you, I, I listen. I, I I get it. I I I do get it. But I just I I think that, um, I think that Hopkins. I just think that win over Syracuse is the difference in that game. But that would be the team that that you would look at and say, you know what? Does Rutgers deserve to get it? Really, what you're comparing is Rutgers and Navy more than you are Rutgers and Hopkins. You know, the committee guy said that Navy was the last team in, but look at Navy's wins. They have a win over Air Force. Loyola, that's two tournament teams, you know, and then Army as well, and and then Bucknell. They've beaten Bucknell, um, but they have a bad loss. It's it's again. This is it's always going to be. It's
0: there's always going to be a team that's screwed. I don't think it's egregious this year in terms of who got snubbed. I mean, I agree. I I don't think it's egregious. What I do think is egregious is Marquette getting the number six seed. Like I honestly cannot believe that Marquette gets a home game um and and they keep and even Gene Doris in the selection committee mentioned Villanova as a team that got dropped out of the at large consideration, like mentioned them like I, we didn't even we mentioned four teams, not one of them was Villanova, and the fact yeah. that a, a committee member that Villanova actually got circulated amongst that group of five, and somehow they when when it was discussed as oh who were the teams that are out. And it was the four-team he mentioned means that Villanova was actually mentioned. I cannot believe it. Um, but getting the six... I can't either. I, I don't understand. I, I, but the sixth seed for Marquette is is incredible to me. Listen, I know that that win over Denver is a huge win. I get it. And, and it secured them an AQ. I just... Do they get... If they didn't beat Denver, AT, do they get into the national tournament? No. Right. Like, I, because their best win is a t- one-goal loss to to Notre Dame that's right I mean that's where which, which might as well have been a 14 to four loss right which they mentioned in the in, in all the media was saying like there's no difference between an OT win or a 14 to four win just like it's not no, no difference between an OT loss and a 14 or a 16 to one loss in which they lost to Duke I, I like right. for them to, to to put them at the number 16 and disrespect teams like Loyola Syracuse and even for you know UNC uh you know to not get and at like to get seated as the number eight, at least the number eight seed. I could even see them giving you the number eight seed and being like, wow, we, we really didn't know where to put you. And given where everyone was traveling to, we just put you at the number eight seed because it was just convenient. Okay, that's totally
1: fine. I could see it. But number six? Right. The, number six? And, and, and we're going to put you at the number eight seed, but we're going to seed. But Duke's going to be unseated. They beat you 16 to one two weeks ago. Right? All right, Duke, bring it in here tight. Ready? <laughs> break. <laughs> Well, listen. What a screw It job.
0: is. Pick your final four, A.T., and we're going to end the show by picking your final four. Go ahead.
1: All right. Well, I'm going, to go, uh, I'm going to go off the board here, and I know the world is picking Maryland to win and go to the final four and perhaps become the national champion, and they're going to beat Hartford after Hartford beats Quinnipiac. But they're going to lose to Syracuse <sighs> in Providence, Rhode <sighs> Island. And the reason they're going to lose to Syracuse is because Syracuse has a face-off guy that is going to beat the Maryland group 60% of the time plus. And they've been there many, many times, and they have 30-for-30 30 30 type programs about how many national championships <laughs> yep. they've won. They have alumni like Rick Beardsley and Paul Pompadour. Uh, Carcaterra they have tons of national championships in the last 40 did years, and Maryland has Did none. you see Lack Sports Maryland Net? Goes did you the- see
0: Lack Sports Net? They did the uh, national championship teams playoff. Like, who is the best? Yes. They have three out of the four national championship teams in the final four right now as a, as a, as a what do you call it? Uh, so I thought that was impressive, too.
1: Uh, is, that is sick. That is sick. I, I would have to say in that particular Along the lines of that digression, I would have to say there's no question that 1990 Gary Gates-Syracuse team is the best of all time. But I think the team that would be best against them would be uh, the 1998 team with John Hess-97, oh oh John has Hess, hubbard uh, that team, that team, that team versus Gary Gates Sims, team would have been the same Josh Sims, team. yep, Sims was so oh good, but you're just not going to have an answer for the no. Gates. So, so much for that. <laughs> uh, but I, I got, uh, I got Syracuse beating Maryland. So I got Syracuse gotcha. uh, as one team in the Final Four. I've got Brown beating Navy in Providence wow. for the second Final Four spot. I like it. I've got North Carolina oh! doing it again to Notre Dame. Oh, no. To fill a third Final Four spot, and then at the bottom, you have to do it. I got Absolutely. Denver and Bill Tierney winning that bottom part of the bracket. So finish it off. So I got finish Denver. it off, A.T. Okay, so I've got, uh, I'm going to go up top, and I'm going to say that uh, Brown beats Syracuse, and I'm going to say that Denver beats North Carolina. Again, and I've okay. got, I've,
0: but at least it's in the final four. Yeah, yeah.
1: in the that final is true. four, nobody says anything. That's true. Uh, and I've got Will Garral in oh the wings winning over 58% in the final game against Trevor Baptiste, and Brown doing the unthinkable, winning the 2016 national championship. Incredible, man.
0: Incredible. I've got Maryland. Taking over Syracuse and that. Go place. through the bracket. I'm going to the okay, top. So, so I'm yeah. going to the top. Yeah. I got Maryland yeah. beating. Uh, I have Quinnipiac and you have Hartford, correct? So I have yep. Maryland yep. beating Quinnipiac. I've got Syracuse beating Albany. I've got Maryland beating Syracuse. So there is one of my final four teams yep. going down. I've got Brown beating Yale in a close one again, but I have Brown going to the final four.
1: Yep.
0: Let's go to the other side. I have Notre Dame meeting North Carolina, but I have Notre Dame beating North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that in general, uh, I think that the experience that Notre Dame has will put them into yet another Final Four. Then, of course, I mean, it's not even a competition. Like, I honestly don't, If, if I mean, Denver is going to go to the Final Four down the bottom. I have Denver, Notre Dame in a barn burner again on that far side. Uh, and I have Denver going to the national championship. And it comes down to Maryland and Brown. And based on experience alone, I'm going to put Maryland in the national championship game. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to. It's not who I'm rooting for. It's simply where my money is going and who I'm going to pick. Uh, And in the national championship, Denver does it yet again. Two in a row. Tierney takes his eighth. And we all can't believe he did it again. But he (laughs)
1: But we, we can't can at the same time. It's incredible. And when Bill Tierney wins the national championship for everybody coaching the cross, it feels like right. Nobody, nobody wanted it won it. This nobody won it. Nobody won it again.
0: <laughs> Everyone's just a sigh of relief. It's right. like there's no there's nobody to be yes. jealous of because Bill Tierney won Everyone it. Everyone was so bummed out when Charlie Toomey won it. They were all happy. Right. They were so stoked. They were like, yeah, hell yeah, but right. they're like, damn it. The- like, <laughs> Pump for him at the same time. Like, they're like, why couldn't it have been Desco again? Why couldn't it have been a Tierney right. again? It's just great when they win it because right. then we have no one to be jealous of. Exactly. That right. is it for our show today. We are going to be back later on this week with special guests. We'll get to that, and you'll hear from us on that. Uh, in the meantime, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, and always follow us on Twitter at lacks. Thanks so much. Enjoy the midweek uh, tournament games, playing games. Uh, And then we'll see you later on this week's Maximize Your Comfort. Thanks for the listen.